before we start today's show, we want to let you guys know about our sponsor. Are you tired of the stress and hassle of tax preparation? Well, look no further. The experienced tax consultants at Cambrice Tax Consultants are here to help you navigate the complex world of taxes. They offer expert tax preparation services for individuals, small businesses, and real estate investors. From maximizing your deductions to minimizing your tax liability, they have got your back like chiropractic. Don't wait until the last minute. Call them today and let them take care of all of your tax needs. You can contact them at 901 605 4925. Again, that's 901-605-4925. Or you can visit their website at www.cambricetaxconsulting.com. Again, the website is www.cambricetaxconsulting.com for more information. Trust them to handle all of your tax needs so you can focus on what really matters. Cambrice Tax Consulting. Now to the show. You could be anywhere doing anything, but you're hanging out with us and we appreciate that. So wherever you're listening and however you're listening, we appreciate you guys for listening. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, that's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. That's T as in tacos, S as in sangria, M as in margaritas. Kennedy Miller. Yes, sir. Where can the folks find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. Again, that's underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. You know, Ken, it is good to finally see you again because I don't know. I think you and the rest of the Cowboy fans, were y'all in witness protection last week? Because this is the second year in a row when the Cowboys have lost in the playoffs. I couldn't get you. I couldn't find you, Kennedy Miller. I couldn't. You said you was gonna come through, and then something happened. I think you. I think you plied, Kennedy Miller. I don't think you want to show your face, Alex. I'm gonna be quite honest. With you. I was very sick last week, <laughs> and not sick, as in something was wrong with my body. Something was wrong with what I watched last Sunday, and it starts and ends with my quarterback. I can't. I can't. I can't support him anymore. I can't do it. I cannot, in good faith, Alex Goodwin, support that man. I won't even say his name today. I can't. Because I don't, I don't want to talk about him. I want to but, talk about him. I want to talk about. Him. Let's let's discuss it. Look, I'm gonna ask you this question: At the beginning of the year, did you ever think there was gonna be a situation where you had to ever ponder the possibility that Jalen Hurts would make a Super Bowl before your man Dak Prescott? Never thought it. Never thought it would happen. I mean, this was a team that seriously could be preparing to play for a Super Bowl and. It starts and ends with the court and, and the coach. I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of Mike McCarthy, but this was a Super Bowl team. They were capable of making the Super Bowl, especially with 
um, how it was messed up. Now, I did say the week before or the week before the playoffs, I was nervous about San Francisco. That was the one team I was nervous about. And it was a good game. It was a very good game, and it was a game for the taking. And our quarterback had two turnovers that kind of hurt us. That was pretty much the end-all, be-all. Like, everybody else came to play. CD came to play. Um, I thought Tony Pollard was going to have a big game before he went down. I thought Zeke played okay. Um, and our defense gave us enough stops. They held him under 20. That's all you can really ask for a defense to do. But we just couldn't get the job done on offense. And so we have to go into another offseason hearing the the reassurances from Jerry Jones about our head coach and our quarterback when we know that they're the problem, specifically our quarterback. Because I feel like the only thing I'll say about our coach is if our quarterback was in San Francisco and he was with that coach in Kyle Shanahan, I think he'd still be playing on Sunday too. Because I think that Kyle Shanahan is that good of a coach to get. Well, obviously you can see it, Brock Purdy. He got Brock Purdy to an NFC Championship game. So I just think part of that is coaching. And we'll see what they do as far as getting another offense coordinator. I'm glad Kellen Moore is out of there. But it's just going to be another one of those seasons next year until, you know, we have a new guy under center. I think the thing to remember is going to be this. So do you remember about two or three weeks ago before the first playoff game? And I said that in 2021, the Dallas Cowboys had one of the top three rosters in the NFL and they didn't make it out of the first round. So this year, when the roster was not as good. Why should I anyone expect a significantly different result? Yes. Um, and that 2021 year, we lost to the 49ers. Yep. And got it. I mean, and in pretty embarrassing fashion. So there's that one like logical thing to me, right? And then the second part is this. You ain't never going to get me to bet on incompetence. And Mike McCarthy is incompetent. The way it, things ended in 2021 with him running a QB draw with 14 seconds left and not being able to get another playoff. That is peak incompetence. Once I saw that, I said, yo, that's all I need to see. It's done. It's a wrap. I'm out completely on this dude. And what did they do again to end the two years in a row? The season has ended with everybody looking around and saying, what are they doing? Because that last play was only some shit that you see on NFL street. Yep. Um, and these are potential game tying or game winning situations. Like, even as bad as they played last year, they I think they had, what, 12 or 13 penalties. Like, one, I think the most penalties in a playoff game, they were still a possession away from either going into overtime or winning. Same thing as this game. Like, our I mean, our defense did a great job. And, of course, at some point, especially with how potent San Francisco is with the running game, they're going to get something going. And so for them, again, to hold them to 19 points, they still had a chance to tie that up or go. Well, they were probably going to go for two. I would assume with the kickers, um, you know, late misses in the playoffs. But they had a chance to to potentially tie it up or win the game, and our quarterback just didn't get it done. And I I agree with you. It's on it's on the coach keeping with the players being undisciplined, and it and it's on you know quarterbacks win you games and. It's not that many guys, I think, in this league now that are truly Super Bowl caliber quarterback. And I think I could probably, well, Jalen Jalen Hurts might might shut me up, but I probably think like four or five guys at this point. 
I mean, I think one of the big things also is that if you're a guy like Dak Prescott, who I've said for years is probably Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford level good at quarterback, meaning that this isn't going to be the guy that is going to patch up the holes that you have. Like he's not going to be the guy who's going to be able to overcome the structural inefficiencies that you have on your roster. Right. So if you're a guy like Dak Prescott, you no, need everything no. you need everything around you to be right in order for you to be successful. You need good receivers. You need a good line. You need a strong running game. You need all those things for you to be successful, right? He's not a guy on the level of a Mahomes or a Brady or a Rodgers or Lamar Jackson that you can send out there with any old set of fools. Like, could you send Dak Prescott out there with Valdez Scantling, a couple other dudes we ain't heard of? Kansas City has a good line, and all of their receivers, wide receivers, are not number one. And then they've got Kelsey. You cannot send Dak Prescott out there with that with those level of dudes and expect it to go well, right? You you just can't. And so, like, that's what you have to know when you're dealing with a guy like a Dak Prescott is that everything around him has to be has to be right. If it's not, and here's the messed up part about Dak Prescott. In 2021, when everything around him was right, they still couldn't get it done. So, right. damn. Because- what, at, at, at that point, if they couldn't get it done in 2021, what else? Like, when will you? And the answer is you won't. And so, like, there's that aspect of it. And it kind of brings me to Jalen Hurts, where I sit and watch Jalen Hurts. And I think about, one, like, I kind of bristle at this idea that Jalen Hurts is, like, he's this good because of the system around him. Or that you can just drop any old fool in here and they can do the same thing he, he was doing. Because last year, Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles had one of the worst passing games in the NFL. One of the worst. They added A.J. Brown, yes. But Jalen Hurts has done a hell of a lot of improvement from last year to this year. Because, Ken, we have been watching Jalen Hurts play football for a very, very long time. When has he ever thrown the football this well? Not that I've seen. And I remember back five about five years ago when we started recording this podcast at my old apartment, Gateway Apartments, before when... And Alabama was trying to figure out who are we going to start, two or Jalen, two or Jalen. You were saying they should roll with two. I was like, ah, eh, we've only seen two a play a half. They've had chances to replace Jalen Hurts all last year, and they didn't do it. I think, I like, maybe you stick with Jalen. Maybe two just had a good half. And then within one half of them playing that, that opening game against Louisville, I texted you. I said, damn it, I'm wrong. This a wine boy got it rolling. Jalen going to be gone as a grad transfer lad next year. Also, Side note, we haven't done this in a very long time. Say Tagovailoa three times fast. Tagovailoa, Tagovailoa, Tagovailoa. My man. So, with Jalen Hurts, none of us ever thought he was ever going to be this level of quarterback. None of us did. Like, I, I can fully say that. I thought he was just good college quarterback. But, like, he was one of those guys, like, he's a good college quarterback, but NFL caliber starter, that wasn't going to be him. You know, because if we remember how well that Alabama offense took off the moment they put two in there, they could throw the ball down the field. And it's crazy to think about. We called Jalen Hurts. We said Jalen Hurts is holding Alabama back. And we think about it. Alabama went 26 and two with him as a starter. They were one Deshaun Watson drive away from winning that national championship in 2016. And that's the guy that was holding them back. Like, that just kind of puts it into perspective how good they are and how good they, you know, have been over the past couple of years to where we go 26 and two and like, nah, that ain't good enough. But I think he's done a, dr- a tremendous amount of improvement and become like whether they win the Super Bowl or not, 
I am just like floored at the level of development. And it's almost kind of in a way, you know how dudes like now in the league, in the NBA, dudes used to come in at 21, 22, 23, and they were like close to fully finished products. Now with dudes coming in at 19 years old after only one year of college, it's taking them a longer to develop. So they're they're finally, after three or four years, they turn into who they're supposed to be, like a guy like Julius Randle. That's Mm -hmm. what I think this has kind of been for Jalen Hurts. Except he played the four years of college. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I always thought that, kind of like you were saying, that there's like a ceiling to him, which I think most scouts and, and people thought, which is why he didn't go in the first round. Like, whatever we thought or not, he had a great college career. Um, and so the only thing that I, well, when I started having, I guess, negative thoughts, I would say, I always kind of thought, like, you know, he's a good college quarterback, but in the national championship game against Georgia, you started to see, like, he wasn't willing to make certain throws that I felt needed to win that game. Like, he was just very just, like you always say, just trying to drive the car. And he wasn't trying to put it in that extra gear to really make it go when it needed to go. And Georgia was going to win that game if he had stayed. Because he, he just kept throwing it out of bounds, like, he was just trying to be ultra safe. And then Tua comes in and just like lets it fly. And I'm like, wait a minute now. Like, like one is the safe conservative quarterback. And then this other dude just comes in, just no conscience, just letting it go. And so that's when I just was like, okay, they need to move on from Jalen. But I, I never thought that I would see him in a Super Bowl, especially this quick. And, you know, with the team, like you said, you know, they got A.J. Brown, but it's not like there's been much roster turnover since last year, um, since last year's team. So, I, I mean, I hope he plays well. I love that two black quarterbacks are in there and two Texas, two Texas boys. So, it's time. May, may, the be- may the best team win. And, you know, you know what's crazy? Do you know who the offensive coordinator was that 27-year, 2017 season at Alabama? Steve Sarkeesian? Mm-mm. Brian Dable. That's right. Brian Dable was the OC. Brian Dable. And it is a wild thing to think about that Brian Dable, when he was the OC at Alabama, when they said he's going to the NFL, going back to the NFL, I'm like, I wasn't too impressed because he looked like he was terrified of having Jalen Hurts do anything. And then they put Josh Allen in his lap, who is a similar type of project, you can call him. Like Josh Allen came out of college. And was raw. Like, he just, he looked the part and that was it. And then he turned Josh Allen to into a monster. Into a straight-out monster. So, like, that is one of the wilder things. Really. It, like, undercover things, I think, in all of this. Kind of got wine. Yeah. Sure. Uh, baby, tell me what you mad for. Talking about a football team in the state of Texas and the state of Texas, the Houston Texans have made a hire. And that's a good segue. That's amen. A good segue switch out. Hey man, I, I do what I can out here, bro. I do I'm doing what I can. So the Houston Texans, they have hired the their third straight black coach. And I like I would like to say, I don't know if the Houston Texans are trying to win an NAACP image award or, or get some props from Dr. Umar or whoever, but 
three straight black coaches. Now, I'm not saying they hired three straight black coaches because they are just so committed to diversity. They hired three straight black coaches because, damn it, don't know white boys want that job. But they didn't just hire any old fool this time. They hired Texan great. I, I think that's fair to say. D'Amico Ryan and Kennedy Miller. Y'all are already. I'm, I'm getting texting calls already. Am I going to come back? Am I going to come back? Am I going to come back? I don't know yet. I don't know yet. That remains to be seen. But I will say this. Maybe, you know, if this is like Charles and Helen, maybe, just maybe, I'll go see how Charles is doing in the hospital. Okay. Maybe I'll go see how Charles is doing and make the decision to not let that light-skinned woman who's going to take all his money, let him die. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe that's what I'll do. I mean, he hasn't done anything yet, but is it safe to say that this, on paper, is like the best hire in, in franchise history? On paper, I would say yes, in terms of a well-respected former player, great coordinator, absolutely fan-favorite player. I would say, yeah, between him and probably Gary Kubiak. And that's because, I mean, Kubiak's a great coach. Like, I think think Kubiak was a great offensive coach, came from the Shanahan mold, did all of that. So he was like a – and he was a Houston dude. So he's a well – but, you know, D'Amico, I think, would be different because I think D'Amico could actually, like, energize your fan base like a former player like yo D'Amico is I met D'Amico Ryans when I was like 12. I love how you said fan favorite because like I always remember his name from just riding in the car like elementary middle school on like sports talk 610 like always on like his name was always on the radio bro so I'm like that is like the perfect hire for the Texans and like like you said they had two black coaches before but this is their fourth head coach in four years. Like the first guy that they hired, Cully, or is that was his name David Cully? Yeah, that was him, David Cully. I mean, we all knew that that was temporary, two years at the most. Then we knew that Lovey Smith was going to be temporary. Like he didn't fit the timeline of this team. You got a passionate young coach who just came off a really successful season as defense coordinator, where his defense ranked first. In a lot of major categories, coming to a team that's about to have the number two pick in the draft. And so you got a chance to potentially get a franchise coach for a six year deal um, and pair him with a young franchise quarterback, whoever you take. And so I just I think that it was a good job for D'Amico. I mean, for D'Amico Ryans to um, to jump on. And I think that the Texans did pick their right guy. I'm not quite sure if this was a like a good job for D'Amico to jump on because I've been on record saying I think given the Houston Texans organizational instability and given the fact that in the last coaching search, the general manager wanted to have a hand in the coaching staff. This was probably the on paper, the worst job just in terms of organizational functioning and the issues surrounding the bureaucracy there and who's actually running the place in the league. And I'll, I really want to know what it took for D'Amico to take this job because initially he said he was not interested in this position. And to be fair, I can't be mad at him. Like you initially look at, look at what's been going on over the past three or four seasons. And we know black coaches do not get a whole lot of grace. This ain't a place like you don't want to take a fixer up. Right. So how do you go from, I'm not interested in this job to I'm passing up the Broncos job for this one. Cause they initially wanted him instead of Sean Payton. Yes. So, the Broncos wanted D'Amico Ryans bad. And he was like, no, nah, I'm good on this one. Sean Payton was the Broncos' second choice. 
Now that's a hell. Like that shows you in my head how highly people think of D'Amico Ryan's when you got a Super Bowl winning coach, and they're like, no, 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 no. Give me the young black guy. Like that says something to me, honestly. And I think another point I'd like to make is that, like, I always make the point that we black coaches have never ever been handed the keys to a Cadillac. Oh yeah. This in the Houston Texans job is by no means a Cadillac. This is a '95 Malibu with a rag in the gas tank with a shaky engine. Like this, if D'Amico Ryan's gets this going, and I hope he does, black man, we always want our black people to do well. If D'Amico Ryan's get this, gets this cracking, this is gonna be like you remember the show on MTV, Pimp My Ride. Mm-hmm. That's what this would be. Where they yeah. take an old, well, like d- there was one episode of Pimp My Ride. I remember this. Somebody, I don't know how this happened. It was a real episode. They had two, like it was half of one car, half of another, held together by like three pieces of bubble gum. That's mm-hmm. what the Houston Texans' job is. And they took that car and they made it work somehow. But, I mean, they got, like, obviously it's not a suitable roster to really, you know, compete to go to the playoffs right now. But you got young pieces, like the the Pierce running back is not bad. Petrie, the safety, is not bad. They got some other good pieces. And, again, they're going to be, you know, the Bears aren't probably aren't getting a quarterback with the number one pick. So they're probably going to get the best quarterback in the draft. And... You know, we've seen it all before. You get a you get a young coach and you pair him with a young franchise quarterback, and that rebuild could be accelerated quick quicker than we think. Um, I.e., Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville once he got the right coach with him, and so I think like the Denver job, I, I would have been better definitely. And am I forget is Denver Houston? Were there any other job openings? Denver, Houston, Denver, Houston, Indianapolis, Indianapolis. That's right. Yeah, it, this is not a big year for coaching hires, honestly, and it's crazy to think about because typically there are a lot more open positions. But this year, there are not many. Like, was uh, the was the Carolina job open? Oh, Carolina was open, and they should have gave that job to Steve Wilkes. And look, when Steve Wilkes did not get that job, that man put out a statement used from his attorney. David yep. Tepper's ass is going to court. <laughs> but see, like, okay, so so those four and Arizona was open too, right? Arizona hadn't hired anybody. You're right. They did fire white privilege Hall of Famer Cliff Kingsbury. You are correct. So I would have the Texans job as probably second or third on that list as far as ones that I would want. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have Carolina or Indianapolis over Houston over the Houston job. I think in terms of like pure talent, like a, a place like Indianapolis, I think Indianapolis has a very good roster. Indianapolis just ain't got a quarterback. Carolina's mm-hmm. in that same place where they're they don't, like the roster around is pretty decent. They just don't have a quarterback, so they're just kind of right. toiling away, right? right? But I think what makes what made the Texans job so unattractive was all of the nonsense around the job right sure like in all of the just flat out incompetence and i think if you're in it like king what did i say about the lakers before we got on here which part (laughs) never (laughs) bet on never bet on incompetence so and the houston texans over the past several years have proven themselves to be incompetent and i always go back to this point name me a time in nfl history where you have seen a team sign their franchise quarterback to a long-term extension, and then six months after that, he's like, get me out of here. 
we've never seen something like that. Unprecedented. Completely. So if it's a situation like that, then, you know, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I think and my question with a guy like D'Amico is and a lot of defensive coaches is, is he going to coach like a defensive coach? You know, like who he hires as his offensive coordinator and, you know, the QB's coach, all of that is very important because you don't want to end up like a dude like Ty Bowles, yes. who, and who I don't think Ty Bowles knows what he's doing. Like, I constantly think offensively Ty Bowles plays like he's he's kind of scared to do something. Like, I think if if I think it would really work, a guy like Byron Leftwich, a guy like Jim Caldwell, you need a proven offensive mind, you know, that you can kind of trust and trust everything to and say, have at it. Anthony Lynn. I think Anthony Lynn's still out here. Like that, that to me is going to be important. Like how does D'Amico feel this staff out? And if he feels the staff out well, then, you know, then the the Texans have a damn good chance of being in some serious business. I think it's going to take a while to like fully get this thing going away, going again, because you got to wash the stink off of losing for these last three years. And washing the stink off of losing is hard. Like I'm I'm very optimistic about it. Like how he's going to do, and you know I'm not a Texan fan, but I think they, for once, made the right decision. Yeah, baby, tell me what you mad for. I give you everything. I'm always on the road working, but you my everything. It's been some years now, when you don't understand me yet. I guess it's time to go separate. Speaking of right decisions, Tom Brady finally decided to retire today. And this time he said it's for good. Right? Like, you know what I can compare Tom Brady to? Can you ever remember the teacher at your school who been there since the place opened? And they yes. just don't want to retire, don't want to retire, don't want to retire, don't want to retire. And it's like, we go retire. I'll know when it's time to go. And they always say that I know when it's time to go. And in that one day, a kid calls them a or throws a book at them or something like that. And that's the day they're like, middle of the school year, they're like, I'm out. And that's the day. They're like, today's the day. I think when they played the Dallas Cowboys and Tom Brady was terrified to get hit, Michael Parsons was chasing him all, all over the place. He was oh, like, yeah. yep. He hit the Danny Glover. I'm too old for this. Yep. I mean, the, the writing was on the wall. You just went out. You should have just went out on top, man. Or at least, I mean, because you lost to the Rams in the playoffs, but this past, this year he just looked so bad um, for most of the season. And you just hate to see great players, all time players, when they're like shelling themselves. Nobody wants to see Akeem Olajuwon on the Raptors. <laughs> I want to see Patrick Ewing in Orlando. Like, that's not good for people who grew up like seeing the best version of you. Like you were talking about earlier, taking Danny Amendola and James White and making something happen in Julian Edelman. But you know, just see all time great just go down. And then you hate when they play the multiple years, and then you got kids like man, this dude is a bum. Like, you know how many kids probably like the generation below us thought Vince Carter was just some three point shooter. Until they Googled his name. Yeah. Or yeah. some old dude that just comes off the bench. And he's like, man, when I was five and six, this dude <laughs> was on ESPN every night. You, bro, you got to show somebody, like, let me tell you something, young man. I had to do that with some of these right. kids recently. 
right? They was asking, so with Lil Wayne and Rick Ross and Jeezy Good, and I said, young man, I said, what you you born in? He said, 2005. I said, man, let me tell you something. Lil Wayne at what for a five year period was the best rapper who walked the planet, the hottest thing on earth. What are you talking about? Is he good right now? No. Do his dreads look like chicken tenders? Hell yeah, they do. Right. But it was like, it was like, you remember when we was kids? You remember that last, uh, that match when Undertaker wrestled Roman Reigns? And it was like, yeah, it's over. Yeah. And yes. you never want your hero to leave too late. And by that point for the Undertaker, it was three or four years too late. It ain't three or four years too late for Tom Brady. I don't think he played poorly this year. He was okay. But this wasn't the typical Tom Brady season. Right. And right. the good thing is that he he's poor up to his standard. Yeah, yeah. Like to an average, like if it was Dak Prescott or, you know, Matt Stafford, like, oh, they played okay. You know, but he's Tom Brady. So we don't, you know, he, he's held to a, a bit of a different standard than that. So I think of it in terms it is, right? Most times dudes do not leave until it's abundantly clear it's over. You should go home and spend time with your family. We start. We were starting to get to that point with Tom Brady because in 2021, he was like, oh, he might be able to play another year or two. Maybe. Maybe. Because he right. still played very well. But it was kind of like what we talked about earlier. Now that Tom Brady is up in age, he needs everything around him, like the infrastructure around him. The offensive line needs to be solid. Those receivers need to be really good. He needs to have a strong running game. Everything around him needs to be good. He can't patch up the holes just by being who he is anymore because he's 45 years old. The offensive line wasn't very good. They could not run the football. So now they out here throwing the ball 40 and 45 times with a dude that's 111. So, no, nah, this wasn't going to go well. And I'm glad he saved himself the he, he saved himself the embarrassment for what was going to be next year. Because we remember how Ben Roethlisberger looked last year or how Drew Brees looked a couple years ago. That when they fall off the cliff, like they are done. It's like not even close. It, it, like that's the thing. When it's very clear, like Allen Iverson in like 2010, 2011, it was like, oh, it's rapidly. Right? I think it was like like two like two years before that. I think he averaged like twenty three or twenty four. And then just like the drop off. Yeah, he like he was out of the league within two years. Craziest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And it was like, damn. That was quick. That's my thing with Tom Brady. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad it's over. And my whole question is this, man. Was it worth it? You done lost your family. Your family. Behind this here? I don't know. You've seen The Wire, right, Ken? Absolutely. So remember when uh, Lester Freeman told McNulty, you really got to find something outside of this here? Yep. The work is not going to save you. You know what I'm saying? And I think a dude like Tom Brady, who's 45 years old, who I assume has been playing football since he was seven or eight. This is all this dude has done for 40 years. Like, I think his identity is wrapped up in being Tom Brady, the football player. Every year, this dude around this time, he starts preparing for the next year. Every, you know, summer, July, August, he goes to camp. This is what he does. This is the only way this dude knows how to live. Right. And at a certain point, man, you got to find something else to do. And. You let your wife walk out the door so you can go hang around these dudes who you probably not going to talk to much longer after this. Did you see the statement Giselle put out today? No, I didn't. Bruh, she said, I am very happy for Tom and, you know, I wish him the best in his future endeavors. She sent a human resources email. Yes, that's such a PR response. 
any t- bro, it, we've lived long enough, Ken, we can say this. You know women are done with you when they send you a response like that. Oh yeah. That wasn't that wasn't written in his that wasn't written in his script this year. <laughs> Shout out to Arian Foster for saying that. What what in the hell is wrong with Arian? No, I don't want to discount nobody's experiences because we not there. But judging by all the other NFL players' reactions and tweets, Arian, what the hell is going on with you? Oh. Arian fell off after he gave up vegan and said he didn't believe in God. No more. I mean, man, you know what? I, the one, the tweet I saw that was really funny when Marlon Humphrey was like, "Yeah, man, Osman, I saw that script that I had to give up two hundred and twenty yards to Jamar Chase. I was pissed." Or no, you know, right. you know, you know my one uh, when uh, they said Deshaun Watson saw the script for the last three years, and it was that Uncle Ruckus one. He's like, "Oh no, oh no, this can't oh, be." No. There's so many crazy things that have happened. Like, you telling me that these NFL writers are better than Vince McMahon? (laughs) I think not. Yo, 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 bro, that made me think about, you remember that, uh, like, a couple years ago, they were like, what if the NBA was run by Vince McMahon? (laughs) And they were like, he would have the Warriors in three-on-one handicap gauntlet matches? Hold on a minute, Blair. <laughs> Just a minute. <laughs> oh man, bro! Shout out to Teddy Long, <laughs> bro. Shout out to Teddy Long, bro. It was the way Teddy would kind of stroll out there. Hold on a minute, Blair. Just a minute, Teddy Long. There's a like a graphic. It's a diagram. It's like how t- Teddy Long's general manager diagram chart, and it always ends in a six man tag team match or somebody going one on one with the Undertaker. With the Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, hey man, them boys couldn't breathe the wrong way without having to go one on one. Oh, absolutely. That was that. That was that man's go-to. He was ready for it. <laughs> Bro, he used to give JBL the blues with that. <laughs> He'd be like, JBL, since you want to fight so much, I have just the man. Tonight, you will go one on one with the Undertaker in a steel cage match. Holla, holla, player. Are you tired of the stress and hassle of tax preparation? Well, look no further. The experienced tax consultants at Cambrice Tax Consultants are here to help you navigate the complex world of taxes. They offer expert tax preparation services for individuals, small businesses, and real estate investors. From maximizing your deductions to minimizing your tax liability, they have got your back like chiropractic. Don't wait until the last minute. Call them today and let them take care of all of your tax needs. You can contact them at 901-605-4925. Again, that's 901-605-4925. Or you can visit their website at www.cambricetaxconsulting.com. Again, the website is www.cambricetaxconsulting.com for more information. Trust them to handle all of your tax needs so you can focus on what really matters. Cambrice Tax Consulting. Speaking of insanity and former NFL players acting a fool, bruh, Ed Reed. Ed Reed. Man. What a segue again. <laughs> bruh, all last week I was getting ready to come on here and I was getting ready to lay in the Ed Reed. I was going to air it out. Because I got serious way. I got serious issues with the way Ed Reed conducted himself. I really, really do. And I was going to come in here and get all PhD on, on everybody, right? 
really lay out why Ed, what Ed Reed said and did was anti-black and all this other blah, blah, blah. And I was going to do that. And that was until I saw him do that interview with Roland Martin, which was <laughs> hilarious. Kennedy Miller, me and you, we... <laughs> there are some interviews, me and you, for years, we'll just randomly quote those interviews. James Brown. Shout out to James Brown. Shout out to Donald Sterling. Yes, James Brown, Donald Sterling, uh, the interview Robert did with Gail, Gail King. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, look, what did he say? Uh, I thought he was trolling. Yo, I thought he was trolling. <laughs> so me and Ken will randomly quote random moments from those interviews. Like James Brown would just randomly hit a, like, me and Ken, will, it, we, we will get on a phone call or whatever and just be like, hello, Ted, or Big Magic Johnson. <laughs> And I think, can I speak for the both of us? I think Ed Reed's interview is going to make it into those random, into those just random references we make and laugh about. Because all those interviews we're talking about oh, yeah. were at almost five, six years ago, at least. Ed Reed got up there and was like, Deion Sanders called me on my phone. He, uh, I got offered the Jackson State job. Well, what was that thing? They got crackheads walking campus rolling, Martin. They ain't no. He said, man, they, they lying on me, man. They lying on me, man. <laughs> Why lie on me? Bro, all I was waiting for him to say was, I don't know how to hog tie people. Whoa, the hog tie. <laughs> Whoa, the hog tie. Bro. <laughs> like, I, I can't even really, like, get down to the nitty gritty on Ed Reed without just laughing at him. And I also would like to say, if there was any chance of Ed Reed trying to parlay this job at Bethune Cookman or anything else, he put that up in smoke with the way he behaved. Because I can't imagine any athletic director, any university president seeing Ed Reed behave the way he's behaved and say, yep, that's the guy we need. <laughs> Yo, you can't trust it. Look, I don't think Ed Reed would be able to work at a McDonald's behaving like that, man. Because I'm going to say this, and, and this is a very serious point. Do you think Ed Reed would, would have behaved like that at Florida International? Because FIU has serious issues with university infrastructure, issues with the athletic department, you know, funding, recruiting trips, like all sorts of serious issues, right? Do you think Ed Reed would have showed up for a second, got on Instagram Live, and f***ed his boss? Nope. Not a chance. So, in the moment he did that, I'm like, yep, he gone. He got to go. And that's not to say Bethune-Cookman ain't got issues, because they do. They got issues, and they got problems, and, and that needs to be handled. But there is no way you going to show up here. Ain't no job in America you think can show up and act like that. Not one. Right. So I'm like, nah, man. And then, like I said again, that dude don't seem well, because he was jumping up and down and hollering. Like, I guess my question became, why is he recording all of this? Like, I know Deion Sanders, right. when he was at Jackson State, he recorded, Deion Sanders records everything for self-promotion. But I'm like, why did, when they told Ed Reed, no, buddy, we don't need, we don't want you here no more. Why did he record that, his impassioned speech to the football team? Like, I thought it was, he gave a halftime speech. For reasons I don't understand, like, I don't know what he was doing. No, I mean, I definitely, once I saw that, I, I agree with you. And I saw other people talk about it too, but like, I don't want to say too emotional to be a head coach, 
at a Division One, but it just looked like like too unstable. And like I thought it was gonna be a you know, on paper it seemed like a good thing. Like you got one of if not the you know, the best safety of all time coming at HBCU to coach, like again, it just does nothing but help the exposure. But then for it to be turned into a negative light is just disappointing. And then you just see his interviews and he's yelling and <laughs> screaming at Roland Martin again. <laughs> Roland Martin always getting screamed at. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Jason Whitlock, bro. <laughs> and I, I'm not one to defend Jason Whitlock. He's a boat jangler. Oh no, no, no. We're not fans. We're not fans of Jason. Mm-mm. At one point, when Jason Whitlock was worthy of respect in like 05, 06, when he was on the sports reporters, then yeah. But I ain't going front. Roland Martin walk in your house, start hollering at you, cutting you off in your house at your table. I might have screamed too. How did he? How did he scream out? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. oh god. Yo, oh, we ain't laughed this much in a minute, dog. Oh man. Especially sober. <laughs> Shout out to them <laughs> days you used to record this joint at Gateway Apartments. Shout out to Seagram's Jam. Because we drink it. We paid it for it. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yo, man. I think we are out of time here on the program, dog. Because if we keep going, we're going to get ourselves in trouble. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We are we are we are older now. We are we're more mature Um, and, and we are both in relationships now. So and have jobs that we truly do care about. Because I need these checks. It's Ken, like I told you before we got on, I cannot go back to Ron Goodwin's house. I cannot go back to the second floor. Because he is not going to be happy to see me. So, Ken, man, where can the folks find you on Twitter, Instagram, all that, dog? Find me on Twitter, underscore Kennedy Miller, underscore. Again, that's underscore Kennedy Miller, underscore. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. That's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. That's T as in Tom, like Tom Brady. S M like San Marcus. Alex Goodwin TSM. Follow the show on Instagram at underscore the game plan podcast. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we appreciate you guys for listening. For Kennedy Miller, my name is Alex Goodwin. This has been the Game Plan Podcast. We will see you guys next time. Hey, hey, hey.